This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotato.com. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We've got you covered with everything from Marvel to Star Wars. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Classic films, trivia games, and beyond. Move to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. Now, on with the show. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey everybody and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray and I think that graduation ceremonies would be a lot cooler if there was an after credit scene. Because <laughs> if you think about it, a graduation ceremony, the whole thing is a, a closing credits. <laughs> Joining me here in the historic Cosmic Potato Studios are a few of my favorite rapscallions, first of all. We have the CEO of the Infinite Diversity Network, Rick. How are you, sir? I am reasonably well. How are you tonight? Doing doing great. And one of the hosts of Wait You've Never Seen that can be heard right here at CosmicPotato.com, Virginia. How's it going? Good. Thank you. And representing the Quantum Leap Podcast, we have Mr. Christopher DeFilippis. How's it going? It's going very well. Thank you for having me back again. And uh, tonight we're going to do a best in show episode for you guys and uh we're gonna get into that in a couple of minutes but before we do that we're gonna play a game and we're gonna touch on a couple of news items that have happened over the last few days uh no touching (laughs) no no touching (laughs) we have uh we're gonna play a trivia game and uh these questions are not all about some of them are about movies and tv but not all of them they're uh general knowledge useless knowledge Questions that I came up with, and uh, I'm going to uh, assign these questions, and they are multiple choice. So I thought that would make it a little bit easier. So Virginia, I'm going to start with you. Number okay. one, A.P. Herbert, the editor of Punch Magazine, once wrote a check on what? A. A piece of parchment. B. The side of a cow. Or C. An advertisement from his magazine. What was that? Punch Magazine? Yeah, Punch Magazine. I have no idea, so I'm going to say a cow. That is correct. It was a cow. Oh. <laughs> I'm stay away from the, uh, the, the, the Hawaiian issues, because you'll just get knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. That's it. <laughs> Wrap it up. How about a nice Hawaiian punch? Okay. Uh, you that, you're old. <laughs> Rick, this one's for you. This is a Myths and Mythology. Oh, my favorite. In mythology, Romulus and Remus were suckled by a she-wolf and fed by a what? A, a crow, B, a woodpecker, or C, a crane? Crow. Incorrect. It is a woodpecker. Oh, those goofy Romans. (laughs) 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 Because somebody had to. All right, Chris, this one's yours. Um, This this the category is nineteen ninety-seven. In 1997, a small fire occurred on what? A, the Deep Horizon oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico, B, the the 32nd floor of the Empire State Building, 
or see the Russian space station Mir? Uh, I'm going to guess Mir because space. That is correct. It was See how ironic and there's no, you know, air in space. (laughs) All right, Virginia, back to you. This one is uh, celebrities. Jennifer Lawrence began her acting career as the character Laura Pearson, the oldest teenage daughter in what TBS comedy series? Was it A, Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter, B, The Bill Ingvall Show, or C, The New Adventures of Old Christine? The New Adventures of Old Christine. No, it was The Bill Ingvall Show. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> She's a really funny comedian, and the only one on the on the uh, the, the they call it when him and the blue collar comedy tour. Oh, yeah. one of those guys. Okay. He's, so he's, the, he's, he's the here's your sign guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Rick Rick and Sean might be a redneck. I don't know. <laughs> I am um, I am country. I am not a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I know from the blue collar comedy tour. <laughs> Uh, to be a redneck, you have to be really into NASCAR, and you have to say Roll Tide a whole lot, and I don't do either one of those. Things. What's the second one? Roll what now? Roll Tide. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> that means Alabama. you're a fan of the Alabama Crimson Tide. <laughs> oh, it's a sports reference. Right, yeah. Gotcha. Sports ball. Okay. Uh, that was Virginia, so this is Rick. This is, uh, this is No. <laughs> this is uh, Movies. Ah, my favorite. Bodega Bay was the location for which Hitchcock film? Was it A, Psycho, B, Suspicion, or C, The Birds? I know, I know. <sighs> Psycho. Virginia was still? The Birds. It was The Birds. I saw. We it watched that one for our show back in October. Bodega Bay. Okay, Chris, uh, this is uh, just general knowledge. The city council of Chico, California, set a $500 fine for exploding what in the city? Is it A, a cherry bomb, B, a nuclear bomb, or C, a pipe bomb? I just want to go nuclear bomb because it's the <laughs> most ridiculous, and we're talking about California nanny state. So It is. You are fined $500 <laughs> if you detonate a nuclear bomb inside the city limits. Don't you think it would like you know be more of a stringent pungent punishment? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that seems. Who's gonna collect the fine? Everybody's gonna be yeah. dead. <laughs> okay, um, Virginia, this is yeah. uh, your category is 1983. Okay. Um, which space shuttle made its first flight in 1983? Was it A. The Discovery, B. The Endeavor, or C. The Challenger? I will say the discovery. I steal. Yeah, you can steal it. The challenger. It was the challenger. She was the first one up. All right. Womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Rick. This one's yours. This is cartoons. My favorite. Or actually, comics. In in DC Comics, what does DC stand for? Detective A- Comics. Yeah, Detective <laughs> Comics. All right. Everybody has uh, everybody has two points. Okay. Number nine, this is for um, Chris. Celebrities. Which rock star did Cindy Crawford name her son after? Was it A, John Bon Jovi, B, Elvis Presley, or C, John Lennon? 
I have no clue. I'm going to go with John Lennon. Nope. All right. It is uh, her. Her son's name is uh, Presley Crawford. So, um, all right. That evens it out. I actually got two more questions. I will. It's all tied up, so I'm going to uh, ask this, and then whoever knows the answer can just buzz in. Okay. Um, what year did Captain Kangaroo go off the air? Was it A, 1982, B, 1983, or C, 1984? Chris. Go ahead. 1982. No. That is incorrect. Anybody else want to try? Rick. Go ahead. 84? It was 84. I should have went with the Orwell angle. Damn it. (laughs) All right. Now, Rick wins. I got one more question. I'll ask it just for funsies. Um on I Love Lucy, Fred Mertz was played by William Frawley. What war was Fred a veteran of? Was it World War One, World War Two, or the Korean War? World War One, I, I think. It was World War One. Fred was old enough to be a veteran of the Spanish American War. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> okay. Um a couple of news items to get out of the way. First of all, uh we did an episode a couple of weeks ago where we talked about Disney being our overlords. And they have taken another step towards that this week. Uh, they've, they bought out Comcast's uh, share of Hulu, so now they have total control over Hulu. Uh, Hulu has a lot of NBC Universal content on it, and they said they're not getting rid of that content for at least uh, five years. I think it said 2024, is, NBC can, can still keep putting stuff on Hulu, but, um, NBC is going to start their own free streaming service sometime in the next year. So they're probably going to start putting a lot of their content on there. But if you, it's likely that you're going to be able to bundle Disney plus and Hulu together and just pay one fee and you'll have Hulu and Disney plus, which is, I mean, it kind of feels like Disney's completely taking over all media, but at the same time, that's kind of what we've all been asking for is being able to bundle some of these services together and, and just get packages where we can get more uh, more of that content that's out there instead of having to subscribe to several different things at one time. So I just want to throw that out there and see what you guys um, thought about the uh, the fact that Disney is uh, taking over of another thing that <laughs> that we watch. Don't care. <laughs> Don't care. Eventually, uh, antitrust laws are going to come into play, but. Like you said, you know, it, the, the more centralized this stuff is, uh, you know, the better it is for us right now. Now, if it gets to the point where we've got like two companies that own everything and they're like, screw all y'all, we're jacking the prices up and we're paying as much as we were for cable, then it'll be an issue. But I, I don't know if that's a foreseeable problem or not. You know, the, the funny thing to me is having worked in the cable industry for almost 20 years, um, the biggest complaint we always heard was we want a la carte programming, a la carte programming, not this must carry crap. And now we have nothing but a la carte programming if you really want to cut the cord. And now people are saying, well, let's bundle some of this together. You know, it's a little <laughs> too a la carte now. And it's just, make up your minds. Well, you that's know? the, that's the, the, the complaint comes in that, uh, Everybody, they want to, when they say they want to have a la carte programming, it's like they want to be able to, I want this channel and I want this channel and I want this mm-hmm. channel. And 
but they don't understand that the way some of these work is that one company may own four channels yeah. and they're going to give you all of those. They're not going to give you just one or two of them. And, um, they don't want to have to subscribe to, uh, Netflix to watch, you know, Orange is the New Black and then also subscribe to CBS so they can watch Star Trek and things like that. You know, um, I think I like it. I like it the way it is right now because we've got Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime um, and when Star Trek is running, CBS All Access. And we're still paying not even half of what we were paying on our cable bill every month that had hundreds of you know channels that we never even looked at. Mm. I mean, I look at I go up up and down in my cable box and there are literally 100 sports channels that yeah. I have never seen. It's it's just and I'm paying for it, but mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Yeah, and see, I live in an apartment, and the cable, the cable and the internet are packaged together. So we have cable, but we hardly ever watch it because I've got an Amazon Fire Stick, and I watch mostly Netflix and mostly Amazon Prime. And if I'm really in the mood for watching like some classic TV or something like that, all of the um, all of the the, the networks. You know, they have apps on there, and you can watch some of their classic programming on there. The NBC app sucks. I use that regularly. I have to because I don't own Quantum Leap on any kind of media. And I can just so easily watch it for free there, uncut with the original music and everything. Um, I have have really no problems with it, but I don't use apps to watch TV. I'm still like a cable dinosaur. Yeah. So I just I sit down in front of the TV and I watch stuff when it's on or what's been DVR'd. I don't stream that much because I still have a setup where I have to hook my computer up to my TV if I want to watch it on the big TV in the living room. I don't have like a Apple what's that Chromecast or whatever that is. I've got a fire I've got a Fire Stick. Yeah, Fire Stick. Yeah. I mean, the only time that I'll watch something on my device is if it's like a like CBS All Access. I watched most of Discovery on my phone. Then I started watching Rick. You had recommended Love, Death, or Love, Death Sex, and, and Rob- I was watching that on my iPad last night. So, I mean, so I'll occasionally make the switch, but yeah, I'm still stuck in the 20th century when it comes to just the way I consume <laughs> a lot of shows. Yeah, you're, you're, my my wife and you have that in common because uh, we were just talking about it tonight. She's we still get a DVD. We still get DVDs from Netflix. Um, oh, wow. really? Just, I mean, we want, we, we, still, we, we, we stream it as well, but she, you know, and I don't even bother with it anymore. I just, you know, if I want to watch something, I stream it, but like she'll get a DVD and it's usually something that she, that can't be watched when the children are around. Um, but she won't watch it on her computer. And so because there's no penalty, you know, there's no, no get this back by such and such a date. Yeah. These DVDs will sit next to the TV for months, sometimes a year. Wow. And then she'll either finally get an afternoon where she watches it, um, or she'll just send it back and decide she'll, you know, she didn't want to watch it. Um, and I've like tried and tried to, you know, if you can get past watching, not watching things on your, on your computer, you'll be able to watch a whole lot more. She just, she just won't do it. But she was the channel surfer of the two of us too, before mm-hmm. we got, got rid of the cable. I don't know if you guys have, Around here, we have we have Facebook pages that are called like "What's Happening in Such and Such Town." Uh, like I live in Leeds, so we have a "What's Happening in Leeds," and it's just people posting things that are happening around town. And mo- most of it is people 
they lost their dog or something like that, you know. But uh, recently, the Hardee's here in town closed down. Hardee's, if you're not from this area, Hardee's and Carl's Jr. are kind of the kind of the same thing. Burger restaurant. Yeah, everybody's on there uh, talking about what's going to be in the old Hardee's building. Blah 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 blah. And people are making you know making crazy stuff up. Oh, it's going to be an aquarium, you know. <laughs> and uh, somebody came on there the other day and they said. Uh, I think that they should open up a video store <laughs> and they wow. should charge the same prices as Redbox. And I'm like, I don't think you understand why Redbox is so cheap. <laughs> because they don't have a building. <laughs> and I commented in there, I was like, yeah, while we're at it, we should open up a phone store that sells nothing but rotary phones. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Sean, uh, or anybody, I'll, I'll throw it to the group. Um, Disney is probably the most brand conscious company out there. I mean, they have strict sort of branding and adherence to their standard, whatever that standard is. And for them to now own Hulu, which has some really different kind of programming, um, are you guys concerned as consumers that everything is going to eventually become like, um, I guess, the, a Disney commodity that has to fit a certain form? Because I can see this going one of two ways. It's like Disney getting its hand into many different pies to diversify its revenue stream, and that's great. But at the same time, will it inevitably become sort of yet another channel that, uh, or another outlet for Disney to peddle its own sort of brand rather than the different voices that we're hearing now. That, that to me, Rick, it, I didn't think of the price at first or the, the consolidation leading to a monopoly. I thought of just a chilling effect on any kind of different kind of voices because Disney is so strict and stringent when it comes to that kind of thing. They are when it's got their brand on it. Like, you know, Disney specific, you know, Walt Disney presents whatever. That stuff, you know, thou shalt not deviate one angstrom. But they already own a bunch of companies that make. Uh, yeah, I mean they've all they've owned like Touchstone and Miramax and and other uh, other companies like that. They own a lot of companies that put out lots and lots of different kinds of content stuff. Stuff that you don't even realize is owned by Disney. You know, uh, if you look at the books, you know Disney has owned them for years and years. So, uh, so yeah, I mean I I don't. I think that Disney is probably going to keep their branded stuff, their Disney branded stuff will stay on the Disney Plus site and then the Hulu site they'll put some of the other the other content that may maybe the R rated stuff and stuff that they don't want to associate with the Disney the castle and Tinkerbell and all that. <laughs> you know. There's right. the pizza Yeah. <laughs> well also we've seen um you know the way Disney has handled uh, Lucasfilm and Marvel has been a very hands-off, uh, you know, kind of model of you guys just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we just, you know, all the checks come from us now, and all the profits go to us now. So I, I, I think we'll see that from Disney until you actually go to Disney World, and then they've got uh, uh, you can buy C3PO Mickey ears. <laughs> Well, yeah. You know. <laughs> you know, for a while when the, the 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 new Star Wars movies came out and there was a lot of just goofy commercials and stuff on TV and I was like Star Wars has lost its dignity. And then I did some digging through YouTube 
some commercials from back in the 70s, oh, and, yeah. you know, last, late 70s and the 80s. Disney never, or uh, Star Wars never had dignity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lucas, Lucas was hawking all kinds of stuff back then. <laughs> Um, okay. So Tim Conway passed away this week. Yeah. Actually yesterday, I believe. Yesterday, yeah. Uh, as we record this, we're recording this on Wednesday. And, uh, he was 85 years old. In my life, he is best known, uh, for the Carol Burnett show, the Apple Dumpling Gang, you know, uh, <laughs> much of stuff like that. He's, but he's been acting since the sixties. But, uh, I remember when I was a kid, Watching the Carol Burnett show and it was, it was reruns then, you know, so we were watching it on like Sunday afternoon or whatever. And, uh, I got reminded of this about a year ago because Carol Burnett had like a reunion special on TV. It's like a two hour special she had and they showed a lot of clips from the show and stuff. And he would come out and he would start in on a sketch and he would have everybody else on the stage. These are seasoned comedians mm-hmm. and he would have all of them cracking up doubled over in laughter and he would have a straight face because he comes out and whatever they rehearsed, he threw out, threw that out the window and just did something completely that they, they weren't expecting. And, uh, it always got a laugh out of the audience. Cause anytime you see the comedians, if you're watching Saturday night live and the comedians crack up and they lose a character, um, that, that always gets a good laugh out of the audience. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there and let you guys kind of reminisce about, Tim Conway for a second. I love the elephant story. It's really great. And it's one of those times when, um, when he's, yeah, totally straight faced and like Carol Burnett is trying to talk to Vicki Lawrence. It's a mama's family skit. Mm-hmm. And every time she goes to talk to her, he'll say something else and say something else. And finally he lets Carol Burnett get a word in edgewise, you know, mama, take a look at this. And she says, well, do you think that asshole's done already? And just <laughs> lays him out. Like That was Vicki Lawrence that said that. Yes. <laughs> so great. We watched it yesterday. It just makes me laugh every time. <laughs> I see. I think she's the hero of that, that sketch. Because, yeah, Conway's raking him over the coals. <sighs> and then she just finally puts him on the floor with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, I never met him myself, but... Um, he and Tom Poston did a, a tour with uh, a, a comedy show that they were doing, uh, and it it started in Jupiter, Florida, where I was working. And so several people that were friends of mine worked on that tour, and so they knew Tim really well, and they had nothing but praise to say about him, and a lot of them were very broken up yesterday. What about you, Chris? Like you, Sean, Carol Burnett show, I think it was on at 7 or 7.30 um, when I grew up uh, every night. So we watched it quite a bit. And I remember most um, the Mrs. O'Wiggins sketch <laughs> where he would barely, he would just shuffle along in little baby steps. And, you know, he was just this old dude. And then, of course, you know, he became sort of a, a home video phenomenon with that dwarf and dwarf on golf and yeah. just oh that, that whole thing. But to this day, I can't watch, like, History of the World. And I see um, Harvey Corman up there, and I'm thinking, why isn't Tim Conway in this movie, too? I mean, it would have been such a good – because they always work together on the Carol Burnett show. And he was mainly the one that Tim Conway was cracking up mm. the entire time, you know? So I, I really haven't thought about the guy in 20 years. 
but I'm still saddened to hear that he passed. I always enjoyed watching him when I did see him and stuff. And thank you, Virginia. I remember Apple Dumpling Gang and Apple Dun- Dumpling Gang Rides Again mm-hmm. were oh two my of my favorite goodness. movies because they used to be on HBO all the time when I was a kid. And I watched them and watched them again. So I really enjoyed those. And I didn't remember that he was in them. He was also in an episode of the Scooby-Doo movies. <laughs> I heard something yesterday that I had no idea about. Have you all watched... SpongeBob. Oh yeah. Some, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I have, okay. I have nephews. Yeah. You know, you know that the the their Batman and Robin superhero comic book heroes are are Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Yeah. I and, did not know that, but I do now. <laughs> and Ernest Borgnine voiced Mermaid Man, and the, oh, the, my the God. joke was it was like Adam West and Burt Ward that when SpongeBob finally meets him, he's like eighty five years old, and and but he's still wearing the costume and stuff, and um. I was unaware that Tim Conway was the voice of Barnacle Boy um, until one of my former students posted yesterday on Facebook. She's like, y'all may not know who Tim Conway was, um, but he was the voice of Barnacle Boy. And it just clicked because do any of y'all remember McHale's Navy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, That was Ernest Borgnine and Tim Conway. Mm Mm-hmm. And so getting them together in the SpongeBob thing was a, a stroke of genius that I wasn't even aware I, w- I knew about. <laughs> yes, I've seen many hours of SpongeBob. I have uh, <laughs> children that are in their late teens, so that in their early years, SpongeBob was on nine hours a day. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw him not too long ago because uh, a lot of sitcoms like to cast... Uh, Tim Conway and Vicki Lawrence as the parents of whatever character on the show. So if there's a if there's a married couple on the show and the wife's in the the wife's parents are coming in for a visit, a lot of times it's Tim Conway and Vicki Lawrence. I, I, it's like been like three or four different sitcoms where they cast them together. So and uh, one of them I I can't remember what show it was, but it was in the last year or so that he was on there. So uh, also Doris Day passed away this week. And uh, and I don't know as much about this one. I mean, I I, I knew uh, Doris Day from uh, the Man Who Knew Too Much. She was in the Jimmy Stewart version of that movie from uh, 1956. But I know she was in tons and tons of of other stuff. She did the Doris Day show, and she had she was an animal rights activist. She had a lot of stuff going on with that. But uh, she passed away this week too. Uh, from uh, she was 97 years old. I gotta admit. I didn't know she was still alive. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, but yeah, she uh, she passed away this week as well. So yeah, she was a little before my time. So I I, I know of her my whole life, but I I don't know if I ever actually watched one of her movies. You know, she I don't think I have either. Wasn't she? How much is that doggy in the window? I think that she's saying that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, she, I think she, it's her. Yeah, she sang a lot. So, but yeah, yeah, she did she's, sing a lot. Her name came up recently because somebody put out a biography of Rock Hudson, and oh, yeah. um, she was oh, so she closeted was for a while. Exactly, yeah. and um, the the comedies that they did together. Um, they, I just I heard some, you know, an author on a radio show, the author of the book, just talking about his association with her in Hollywood. So that's the only way she's, you know, pinged my radar in any way, in in I'd say, you know, forever. But the fact that she passed, it's it's but she's ninety seven though. I mean, that's a good long life. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 
That's sad, but hardly a tragedy. Yeah, so. if yeah. you can, if you can make it to ninety-seven, if I make it to ninety-seven, I'm not even halfway there yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a nice thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so tonight we're going to do best in show. Uh, this is where we take fairly specific things that you might find in media. Uh, whether it be in movies, TV books, or what ha- whatever, um, we analyze those things. We talk about who did them best. So past topics have been things like the best damsel in distress uh, trope, the best maniacal laugh, you know, those kinds of things. So tonight we have these things. We're going to talk about the best show or film that you didn't watch at first, but you tuned in to see what the buzz was about and then ended up loving it. Uh, we're going to talk about the trippiest or biggest mind-blowing movie, TV, show, song, game, whatever. And we're going to talk about the one, I say one piece, and you can do more than one, the pieces of cannon fodder that you would like to extract from a particular fandom. Maybe you'd like to make Jar Jar Binks have never existed, or get rid of Section 31, or get rid of the Daleks. You know, this is your chance to... Uh, you want to just kill my whole freaking list here, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so the best show or film that you didn't watch at first, but you tuned in to see what the buzz was about, and you ended up loving it. Um, Chris, why don't you go first? Oh, I'm glad because uh, I, I was hoping that no one would take this one for me. This was the one I, I kind of had the hardest time filling the slots for because... I think like you guys, I mean, as genre fans, I think we're all sort of very directed consumers, like media consumers. And I don't often watch things that I don't know about first or I don't want intentionally, you know, I, I always I'm, I'm sort of very intentional in what I watch. And this the buzz stuff usually comes from a lot of mainstream stuff, which I'd never find appealing anyway. So I never watch it. Um, but I remember at one point when I was so into Farscape. I was watching that on Sci-Fi, and I, I, turned, I tuned over to Fox, and I saw these people in brown clothes in this dull set, and I said, I don't want to watch this. What is this crap? And um, that was Firefly. And I, for the longest time, based on seeing it for five minutes, juxtaposed against the acid trip that is Farscape, I was just like, I'm never, I have no interest in watching Firefly. But I don't know how it happened. I just happened to watch all nine episodes in a row. And after the first episode, I was hooked. And by the time it was done, I think the Serenity movie was out then. So I watched Serenity. And then with everything that happens with that, it was like the most emotional journey for it it packs such a punch and there's so little of it. And I think that um, that was probably the one that stood out to me most was Firefly. I I was never going to watch that show, and now I wish it was on still. Yeah. Um, Well, there's 14 episodes of Firefly. I think I thought it was nine. I think I can look it up, but I think I'm pretty sure it's 14. Yeah. But uh, I'm right there. We have some you haven't seen yet, you lucky bastard. (laughs) No, no, I think I've seen the whole series. I mean, two by two hands of blue. I didn't watch Firefly when it first started either, and I don't remember why I watched it. I think I watched, I think it was on Hulu, and uh, I just sat down and watched the the first episode. And the first episode is a lot different than the rest of the series. But um, but yeah, I really and by that time I think Serenity had already come out, so I was way behind the, the eight ball on that. But yeah, I'm right there with you. It was that was a great show. I it got canceled for stupid reasons and 
there have been rumblings of you know we live in a time where TV shows like to come back and do uh, reunion ten eight ten episode reunions or whatever. Maybe one day it'll happen. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Not they gonna do it. They, they did. I don't a, think it's going to happen. They did, they did it. A, it was. It was a flop. Yeah. They did a roundtable um, discussion with the some of the actors and a lot of the producers and writers of the show, where they talked about things that were supposed to happen on the show, uh, were it to not be canceled, and uh, there were things like uh, what. What was the the prostitute's name again? I can't remember. Inara. Inara. Yeah. She was dying. She had a disease and she was dying and they never got to that. They never got to that point in the show where they were going to talk about that. So when you watch that and if you go back and watch it now with that knowledge, a lot of those scenes play out a lot different than that they did sure when like, you watched it. Like, like every opera heroine that you, I've ever seen. I mean, because <laughs> that, that usually they're dying of consumption. And, uh, they're, yeah. and they're courtesans. So <laughs> you have uh, Menon Lascalt right there. You have Traviata right there. Just uh, on and on. Yeah, I, I had an I, almost identical experience with Firefly. I watched the pilot, and it, Mal was so unlikable in the pilot that I just I wanted nothing else to do with the show. Um, and then I actually saw Serenity before I saw the rest of the series. And the, it, when I finally did watch the series, a lot of these things, a lot of the things on my list I've watched because my friend Adam, who was uh, like my best friend, we've known each other since high school, um, I'll go to visit him and he'll be like, have you seen this? No. Dude, plonks me down in a chair, duct, tape, duct tapes me to the chair, puts the forks in the eyes and puts it on. Um, <laughs> That's violent. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, well, you know, he had never seen Clockwork Orange. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I have seen. Um so he made me watch Firefly, and we watched like three or four episodes, and I was like, this is great. But I kept waiting for, for River to turn into a ninja and, you know, this, that, and the other thing to happen. Um, I thought Serenity did, you know, holds up pretty well as just a movie on its own if you don't know the story that's behind it. But I don't think it really reflects the series all that well. But I think the series is great. You know, it, it's not the perfection we like to pretend it is. Um, you know, it just... It, it would have been great to see where it went organically as opposed to kind of the, the somewhat contrived ending we got in, in Serenity. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it could certainly have been one of the greatest shows ever if it had been allowed to continue on. Thanks Fox. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys read any of the comics? Uh, no, uh-huh. I've, I've heard of them. They, they, they continued it on. Continued yeah, I the story have, I on have two, two hardcover editions of, because that's how much of a fan I became of it. And um, I don't buy many comics these days, but they had these really beautiful collected editions with, you know, supplemental artwork and all the the sucker stuff. OK, and they were OK. You know, I, I felt that, that they sort of captured. But without the the actors bringing the characters to life, you lose something that's so fundamental to that show. And um, it's just one of the best ensemble pieces I think I've ever seen. And it was also subversive for its time. I mean, I, the reason I liked Farscape was because it was sort of like the anti-Trek. And at that point, Next Gen was so stodgy and politically correct and this grand human experience spread among the stars. And Farscape was the complete opposite of that. So 
I think that Firefly had a lot of the same sort of sensibility in, in that way. It wasn't about this grand, bold exploration. It was just about people scrapping by on the outer rim and, uh, you know, doing deals and doing what they can and, you know, trying to find some kind of moral center where there really isn't any. And that's that's what I liked about it. And I love the fact that they were often at odds with each other. I mean, one of the best scenes in the entire series is when Mal whacks Jane upside the head with a freaking pipe wrench and yeah. <laughs> puts him out the airlock. And he's like, are you yeah. with this crew? Or you're not with this crew. You decide, you know. And uh, I mean, that was just it blew my mind. So Virginia, have you ever seen Firefly? I have. Um, I saw it. I think I've seen it twice all the way through, but it's been a while. Oh, OK. All right. Oh, uh, well, what, what's what's one that you have on your list? Um, I have, I just recently, I realized the first one of these movies came out in 2008, but I just very recently started watching the, um, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. (laughs) We've watched seven of them so far. So we have Thor, the Dark World, sitting by our TV waiting to be watched. It's much better than people let on. No, it isn't. Um, but at first it was just like, is one of those ridiculous, well, everybody likes it. I just, I'm going to be contrary just because I don't want to watch it. Um, and then it just kind of got to where, well, I guess I haven't seen it and I don't really know, you know, what's going to be happening in this next movie because I haven't seen all the ones before that. So, but with these most recent ones being like so big and so like just pervasive through everything, I'm like, okay, I need to get on the ball here and see what this is all about. And, I mean, it's not like, you know, this is the greatest piece of cinematic ever made or whatever. (laughs) Um, But it's like, okay, pop some popcorn, get your soda, things are going to blow up, there's going to be like an obvious message, and it's fine. And so it's very much what I expected from superhero movies, and that's okay with me because that's what I wanted. That's that's the great thing about the MCU. There, it's not classic literature. You know, we're, yeah. we're not going to see any of them going. I want to thank the Academy, but they entertain the living bleep out of you. There's just they really do. Yeah. Well, Black Panther was nominated, didn't win, that's but it, true. it was nominated. Um, okay, so the Dark World is not a terrible movie. It's just my least favorite. But when you're talking about a series that's 22 movies long. One of them has to be at the bottom, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. the dark, the dark world is at the bottom for me. Some people, some people like it, you know. But the- I, I, lo- I, I thought it was mediocre until the third act, and the third act gets so gonzo that I was just cracking up, and I walked out of the theater with with just a giant smile on my face. So, <laughs> you know, I, it, it stuck the landing, and that's really what I remember most about it. For me, I didn't really care for the, the, the character of Thor at all until Ragnarok, and everything since Ragnarok I've liked. They, 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 they took the stick out of his butt, and, yeah, they made him kind of an airhead, but, you know, I can go with it, you know. it's a, I mean, it's a comic book, but it's... Uh, but everything since Ragnarok, you know, uh, uh, Infinity War, Endgame, all that, you know, I, I've I've loved I've loved the character since then. So, my my problem with the Dark World, and this is I'm not going to go into spoilers, don't worry. But uh, is that you know the quote unquote science of the MCU is you know doesn't bear scrutiny. I will grant you that, but 
at least they they generally stay internally consistent. And some of the stuff that happened at the end of the Dark World just was like, even had me going, "Oh come on." Uh, <laughs> and you know, I don't want to go into details one because I don't remember because I really just I don't remember. All, and and poor Christopher Eccleston was so wasted in that movie. Um, but you know what? It's kind of like you know when Star Trek has a bad episode but you'd still rather watch it than almost any other good episode of any other series. Uh, uh, the Dark World is only bad in comparison to the rest of the, mo- to, right. to the movies. It's not terrible. It's just kind of like, meh, which compared to all of the other ones, meh comes out as bad. So I didn't even remember that Christopher Eccleston was in that movie. So. He, yeah. I was about to say, wow, I didn't know he was in it. <laughs> he can't be as wasted as he was in G.I. Joe, so... He was in G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was Destro in G.I. Joe, yeah. Uh, okay, Rick, what about you? Uh, okay, so the first one on my list for this, um, I think I'm justified in saying that there are maybe two SNL alum movies that are any good. You know, <laughs> movies that in, and... Whoa, 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 whoa. Just name them so that I can argue with you if you're wrong. Wayne's World. <laughs> Wayne's World 1. And the Blues Brothers. Oh, all right, all right, okay, we can continue. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so when this movie was released, it was marketed so poorly that I expected it to just be another night at the Roxbury or whatever, although I don't think that one its predating. But anyway, you get the idea. And then years later, I was visiting my friend Robert in New York City, and we got ripped and he put on So I Married an Axe Murderer. And it yeah. just blew me away. And I was like, this movie is great. Why the hell did they market it as some zany, madcap SNL spinoff film? Um, it has Mike Myers in it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and the, the marketing of it was totally wrong. Um, it is, it's funny. It's creepy. It's clever. It's witty. It's Myers before he crawled up his own butt and stayed there. It's just, it's a brilliant movie. And I, I can't recommend it enough. And, you know, it's quotable and it's got an ending you won't see coming. So it's just, I, I loved it. Whoa, man. <laughs> I saw it once and I can't remember enough about it to have a conversation about it. I, I just know. All right, I'm gone. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen it. Oh. <sighs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I just I, I have I have seen the uh, didn't, didn't Phil Hartman play a tour guide at Alcatraz yes. in that movie? Yeah, I've seen <laughs> that. I've seen that skit on or that that scene on YouTube a few times. That's hilarious. But okay, um, my number one would be Breaking Bad. So the main reason I didn't watch Breaking Bad from the beginning was because I didn't have cable when it when it started, and uh, when I. When I did get cable and I started watching, actually I got Netflix and I started watching it from the first season and I loved it from the first episode because the writers were not afraid to experiment with storytelling techniques. Uh, they'd shift from a standard narrative to a, to, to telling the story nonlinear. Um, if they thought it would serve their, a purpose for them and, and they were fine with trying out new things cinematically with, uh, camera techniques and angles and all that kind of stuff. And, and I love that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. the story, you know, I just thought was great. Virginia, you just, you just watched the first couple of episodes, right? For your show. Yes. Are you in love with it? <laughs> I, I'm interested in learning 
seeing more, like I said in our episode, like I'm, I'm into this to seeing where the whole drug dealing aspect is and drug making. Um, but I'm not, I'm not really in for a depressing look at the state of American healthcare system as it relates to cancer patients. No, so, it's not. It doesn't. It's not that. That's not what it is. Criminal good. Yeah. Oh, it'll get there. Cancer bad. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they touch they touch on some of that uh, mostly in the first season, but as I mean, he he steadily. It's like he. It's like in the first season, he's like dip in the first episode, he's dipping his toe into this world. Dipping his toe, he straight up killed those people. Yeah, he dips his toe and then he goes in over his head like like that. And then he can't get back out, you know. And it's uh, it's just it's a great show. I mean, and every episode they did a great job of every episode building on the next mm-hmm. one. It's not a show you can just go in in season three and just watch an episode, you know. It's uh, it took the the uh, the binging format, you know, that is everywhere now, and really really uh, built on it. So. And have you Gilligan. seen Better Call Saul also? Yeah. Shane is saying we I might need to watch it after. That's that's really good. But yeah, do watch it after. Yeah. Because you're gonna have so much so much more fun watching Saul knowing um Breaking Bad. He makes much more sense as a character in Better Call Saul. Um knowing knowing the whole the whole, I guess because it's a prequel. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It is a so prequel, it, it's but nice to watch the journey. It's a prequel sequel kind of. Yeah, because from what I, what I understand is that this next season is not not going to be the last season, but the season after that may be the last season, and that season I think is going to be a sequel. Like everything mm-hmm. that's, that's going that on now sense. is prequel, but they're going to do a time shift in that last season, and it's going to take place after Breaking Bad. You know, so. Mm-hmm. The following segment is spoilers for Mad Men and The Sopranos. Mad Men went off the air four years ago and The Sopranos has been gone since 2006 so if you haven't seen them then you probably couldn't care less. But you've been warned nonetheless. Uh, And then the other one that I wanted to bring up is The Sopranos. Another one that I didn't watch because I didn't have cable and I didn't have HBO, you know, so my, my brother... Uh, loaned the DVD box set for the first season to me. And I've always been, I've always loved like gangster movies and like The Godfather is one of my favorite movies and stuff. And this is that, but set in modern day, you know, and it's got the, the trope of the analyze this kind of thing where the, the gangster is seeing a therapist and all that kind of stuff. So, and sometimes it would get weird. You know, they, they would, they would play with some storytelling techniques too, where they, they showed a lot of dreams in the, in the, in the show, which would get kind of strange. But, um, I hated how they ended it. Did you, any of you guys watch this Sopranos when it was on? I watched it from start to finish. And uh, have you seen it, Virginia? I have not, but, uh, Shane uh, is an avid watcher, so I know that people are not happy with the ending. Yeah, I, I kind of really loved the ending, Sean. And I got I got to tell you, uh, by the by the last there, season there of the show, an, I, there wasn't an ending. <laughs> I was I was actively rooting for Tony to be killed because he was just such a miserable, repre- reprehensible human being, and I I, I just I, I couldn't stand the whole last season because it was just glorifying these these horrible people and uh the sopranos went a long way i think it almost single-handedly turned me off to the whole gangster genre 
because I'm, I'm, I'm sick of these people being lionized and, and sort of romanticized when they're just scumbags. And it also doesn't do very much for the reputation of Italian-Americans. And I don't like that either. But uh, I'll get off my soapbox. But I loved the ending of The Sopranos because it was an artistic choice that I respected. And for the first time in a long time, I was with Tony in, in that diner. And uh, say what you will, but I got this feeling of tension and paranoia, and I had no idea what might happen next. And then I realized that's how he feels all the time. And that's why he is such a basket case and why he's so miserable. And it suddenly, like, a lot of things about the character clicked for me in a very visceral way. And then you had that ending, which, as you say, is, is a non-ending and it's just, and I think it was also very, very um, telling that uh, "Don't Stop Believing" was on because one of the lines of the song is "The movie never ends; it goes on and on and on and on." Mm. And it's just like this is—it's it, not going to end for him. So he's looking at this guy walking in the bathroom. It's just some guy, but he's thinking, "Is this the one that's going to come up and try to kill me?" Or you know what I mean? It, it just—you it, got into that paranoia, and that's what I loved about the ending of the of the series. I think I'm just not really crazy about series finales in general because they never they never make they never make me happy. <laughs> it's, they never do what I think they should do. I mean, there there's been a couple. I mean, the Next Generation had a great finale. Um, there's been a couple, but for the most part, series finales usually let me down. And of course, Enterprise, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly that. Uh, if you've ever seen the finale to to Lost, I didn't, I didn't care for that. Yeah, yeah. the finale to True Blood was was awful. You know, what do you uh, think of the finale to Mad Men? You know what that that one is uh, a little more okay because Mad Men it ended with because he was he was kind of spiraling, you know, and then mm-hmm. it ended with hope. You know, because we see a commercial that evidently he produces, and it's a right. very famous commercial that we've all mm-hmm. seen. I'm like, oh, well, if if he's on that campaign, then he's going to be okay. You know, exactly. And, he came back. So, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Want to put a bit of a spoiler warning at the top of this episode? It, uh, if you haven't seen, I mean, Mad Me, come on. <laughs> That's a it's been years. Reason. I mean, I don't, I don't give a shit because I, I'm sorry, I don't care because I, I, all of these shows you're talking about, I haven't seen on purpose. Um, but I know <laughs> Mad Men is pretty popular, so you might maybe want to give a warning about that one. Okay. And I would I'll put, r- I'll put recommend Rick watch Mad Men, Rick. It, it, it's excellent. It's an excellent series. Yeah, I like Mad Men. Uh, think that, about that the. One I, I've been somewhat tempted about this, you know. I, I'm I'm with you, Chris. Only from the beginning. I watched The Godfather about five years ago. No, more. So, oh, dude, it was more like ten years ago now. Uh, it was a bet. Um, one one of the one of the uh, podcast. It was on a different podcast forum. This was before I was even a podcaster. Um, but this dude had never seen any Star Trek, and I'd never seen any, and I'd never seen The Godfather. So it was like, all right, if I watch The Godfather. You watch Star Trek, and he got the better end of the deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I disagree. Mean, I, will, I will grant you, it's an excellent movie. I could appreciate the craft of the film and everybody's acting and all that stuff, but I despised everyone in it, and I, I hated every frame of that movie. 
and I don't ever care to see it again, and I will never watch the sequels. I just I like you. I think gangsters are scum. The whole they're all reprehensible, and I don't really care what happens to them. And I don't want. Oh yeah, I agree. Gangsters are scum, but these are movies. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't find it entertaining to see them being scummy, even <clears throat> even if they're going to get killed at some point. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because there is a distinction there. I mean, I, I find gangsters to be reprehensible, yet I found Walter White reprehensible but compelling as an anti-hero. Yeah. Even though he was nothing like a hero towards the end, it would still, you know, um, I still found his journey from beginning to end something that I wanted to to see play out. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I can see why folks enjoyed Breaking Bad. Again, I you know I cannot speak to the quality of the show. It's just. Nothing about what I've heard about it is in any way interest to me. John Delancey's in it. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, Rick, from from a point of view of storytelling and story craft, you would appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you do have that. You have to contend with the fact that your hero is a villain. Yeah. I would I would I would do the uh John Irons rule of three. You know, you watch three episodes. If you don't like it, you don't watch anymore. You know, Um. Okay, so the next category is well, the. Can I can I just throw out one one more thing on my list before we? Yeah, sure, out? go ahead. Just because I think it, it may be it may take some folks by surprise because I had forgotten about it and then I was compiling this list. Stargate SG One was something I had to be dragged into. Mm. Oh really? Really? And now, you, and now you do a podcast about it. Now I do a podcast about <laughs> yeah. it. I love it so much. Um, wow. I you know I I enjoyed the movie, and then when the when the series came out, it came out on Showtime. I didn't have Showtime, so I couldn't watch it. And, you know, the, the fan verse was, did nothing but bitch about it from the minute it came out. It wasn't this, it wasn't that, and, you know, this was before the internet, so I was just kind of catching the edges of it, and I was like, oh, I heard this show's really bad. Guess I'm glad I can't see it. And then <laughs> when it came to TNT? Or, or. Sci-Fi Channel, I think. No, this was long before the Sci-Fi Channel existed. And where I live, it was just in, in syndication. It was on all kinds of different channels. Yeah, it, so. But like uh, one of my dearest friends, she's like, "Dude, give the show a chance." And I think I was hooked by the third episode, and I've never looked back. Yeah. Um. Okay. The biggest mind-blowing movie slash show song game, you know, anything you want to talk about. So I'll go first on this one because uh, I ha- well I have two. I have two. I'll I'll talk about briefly. The one that comes to mind immediately for me is from 1997. It's a neo-noir film directed by David Lynch called Lost Highway. Oh, wow. And it stars uh, Bill Pullman, Patricia Arquette, Robert Blake. And it's got some Gary Busey in there for good for good measure. <laughs> uh, when it came out, so it came out in 97. I was working at a movie theater. And one of the things that uh, had to had to be done usually on Wednesday nights, um, the projectionist would put the print together because it wasn't like it is now where it's all digital. I mean, they, they were working with film, so they would bring in canisters of film during the day. The projectionist would spend all day splicing uh, reels together, and then that night after the theater closed, he had to run the print to make sure that he didn't put one in upside down or backwards or something like that. Because the show was going to be opening the next day. So usually we would stay after work and we would just, we would watch it. You know, he had to run it anyway, so we would just watch the film. So you guys want to watch this movie? It's called Lost Highway. I was like, I guess, you know, I don't have anything else to do. I went in there and watched it and we were just like, what in the 
crap is this movie? <laughs> because have you guys ever seen it? No. I've seen Chris bits and pieces seen. on it on cable, like late night, and um, I remember Robert Blake most of all. If you watch it late at, late at night, is probably the worst time to watch it because yeah. it's you're if you're the least bit sleepy, you're not going to understand anything. <laughs> but well, uh, I I find that with most David Lynch films, I I'm sort of so intrigued visually and aesthetically that I don't care about the plot because they're usually. Um, very obtuse, and maybe I'm not smart enough to get them, but the only one that I've really been able to follow, follow, was um, Blue Velvet. And, I mean, Lost Highway was just more surreal. And oh, yeah. It's, it's it sort of like, surreal. you know, yeah, and, I mean, I think he's just doing it for the effect rather than the linear narrative. But I I, I'm sorry I interrupted. No, it's fine. I, I can't really uh, tell you the the plot. It's been so many years since I've seen it, but... Essentially, Bill Pullman plays a guy that he starts getting these uh, VHS tapes delivered to his house, and when he plays them, it's video of him and his wife sleeping. You know, so he's like, "Well, who's taking these videos?" You know, and then he gets one one day and he plays it, and it is an it is a video of him sitting beside his wife's body that he's just murdered, and then all of a sudden he's in jail. And then he quantum leaps into another person. <laughs> and it's a, <laughs> it's a young guy. And the young guy is dating an older woman who is played by Patricia Arquette, who also played Bill Pullman's wife. And it's just, it's strange. There's one scene where he's talking to Robert Blake's character at a party. And Robert Blake hands him a phone. He puts the phone up to his ear and it's Robert Blake on the phone. And he tells him something, and then he says, now give me back my phone. <laughs> he just hands him back the phone. I'm like, what is this? But it was, uh, if you watch the entire movie, by the end of it, it kind of makes a little bit of sense, but not really. <laughs> but uh, but it is, I mean, it is uh, interesting. There is a lot of visual uh, stuff going on that I liked. and uh, I. But it's not a movie that I go back and watch. On a regular basis, I've seen it maybe twice in my life. Um, I know he did uh, Twin Peaks, and I never saw Twin Peaks, but I, I've heard that it's uh, strange. <laughs> it's strange. It's strange. And I watched it because the Twin Peaks the revival came on Showtime, like the yeah. third season. So I started watching Twin Peaks, and the, the the Who Killed Laura Palmer stuff was really good and weird and David Lynch. And then it turned into some kind of weird comic farce. And it was just, I, I couldn't get through it. And then I was reading some sites, and they said you can basically skip from when you realize that this Bob character is the, you know, the, well, spoilers, 30 years ago. But you can skip to the last episode of the series after the whole Laura Palmer stuff and not miss anything. And that's kind of where Lynch picked it up from, where, um, I forget, uh, Coop, Coop, Cooper is taken over by this entity. This 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 evil entity and he's stuck in the black lodge and they they sort of take him out from there it goes from there and again um, watched a lot of that third season on Showtime it it lost me because he will deliberately not come to um, a resolution even though it's right there and everybody wants it he's just basically like well f you. And it it got frustrating after a while, despite the fact that it was just trippy and some really amazing visuals and such interesting stuff and disturbing stuff. But it 
you, you got to give something to keep you going. Mm-hmm. And he just never did. And it's it just like after a while, it just it, the shtick got old. Didn't one of the characters turn into a teapot or something like that? I don't even remember. I, maybe or <laughs> I didn't a... get that far. I didn't get that far. <laughs> yeah, you know? I heard there was a character that that, and for some reason I don't know if the actor quit or whatever, but all of a sudden the character is a talking teapot or something like that. But uh, the other one I want to throw out just real quick is Memento. Came out in 2000. It's a Christopher Nolan film that had uh, Guy Pierce in it, and it's about a guy that's trying to solve his wife's murder, but he also he's dealing with uh, short-term memory loss. So the entire movie is told in reverse because he can only remember like the last few minutes. So they're only showing you what he can remember. And so every scene in the film takes place after, or every scene in the film actually takes place before the scene that it came after. You know, so, uh, they actually did another release of it where they show the film in reverse, which is actually linear, you know, and it makes the story make a lot more sense, but it also makes the story look kind of simple. You know, the, 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 the fact that it's in reverse and everything is the crux of the, uh, is the twist, you know. So, um, I enjoyed that. But it is mind blowing. Virginia, what about you? Um, well, we, we recently watched this past weekend A Clockwork Orange, which I oh, had never yeah. seen before. Wow. And that movie was so bizarre, so <laughs> trippy, so like they go into a milk bar and all the furniture is like women mannequins who are naked and the milk comes out of their nipples. Mm-hmm. And then like there are fights in the milk bar. Like the milk I, is laced I, with LSD. Right. Yeah. They have like their own language that I couldn't understand. Yeah. Like all of these Bold colors, bold shapes, architecture. I was just like, was Stanley Kubrick on acid? I don't know. You know, um, I read the book, and Kubrick, it, it's the the language and stuff mm-hmm. is a fairly faithful adaptation of what Burgess wrote in the book, with the ultra violence and the lovely, lovely Ludwig van, and you know the mm-hmm. the drugs and all that stuff is right from the book. Um, I think he added, um, you know, the singing in the rain, obviously, is the most iconic. And then the yeah. thing with the when he's forced to watch all the violence and his eyes are, are peeled open. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's all Kubrick, his aesthetic coming through. But it, it really is a, a fairly good adaptation of, of of the Burgess book. And what I read and the book is, is that, probably just as trippy. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I read it too. And uh, what I read is that the, that Burgess wrote that book in like three days. He just locked himself in a room and wrote that book and put it out. And the the language kind of makes sense because I mean, if if someone from the fifties were to listen to teenagers today talk, they would have no idea what they're saying. You know, so we're, if we're watching a story of young people in the future. They would have slang that we wouldn't understand, you know. So, I kind of like that aspect of it. But yeah, that is a, a weird movie. Rick, I'm sure you've seen it before, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been <laughs> a long time, but yeah, I saw it. It's a, uh, it's not a movie you can like watch over and over again. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Rick. What about you? What, what have you got? Okay, uh, I was. Uh, I've got a rather lengthy list, as you may imagine, for this particular topic, but. Um, as I was going through, uh, you know, I was just kind of because, you know, you ask me, 
what's your favorite movie in this genre? My mind goes, nothing. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, 20 minutes later, I start rattling them off by, by the dozen. So I was just kind of going through the Internet, just like typed in mind blank movies. You know, <laughs> just yeah. Kind of going through all of these. And I'm like, yes, I like that one. And I remember that one. And that's a good one. That's a, And then. I was about ready to shut down, and one came up, and I was like, how could I have not thought of this one at the beginning? Being John Malkovich. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's an amazing movie. It is. Um, you know, one, you've got John Malkovich, who's, a, you know, watching him do anything is, is a pleasure, but watching him be everyone at one point was just amazing. <laughs> um, the, the, the plot of the movie, if you're not familiar with it, little hard to describe um this down on his luck puppeteer goes to a, a job interview and it's been a while since i've seen it so uh, i may be you know missing a few beats here but uh he gets a, he gets a job and in this office there's this little tiny door that nobody knows where it goes to and he eventually goes through the door and finds himself in john malkovich's head mm-hmm and it just goes on from there because eventually he learns how to control John Malkovich and how to be John Malkovich. And we see the movie from inside John Malkovich. We see John Malkovich being confused as hell as what's going on. And then finally, when he get when he, when he's done and he exits, he gets thrown off on the side of a freeway. Yeah, <laughs> in New yeah, Jersey, the Jersey Turnpike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's just there is a plot. It it does have a, a progression. It, it is a, an actual story. But it is just so weird and so absurd. I love it. It's it's just a brilliant piece of absurdist surreal. I don't know if surrealist is right, but it's certainly absurdist, um, and probably a bunch of other isms I've never even heard of or involved in the movie. Um, and Malkovich has got to be one hell of a good sport. Is that uh, Spike Spike Jones? I never yeah. corrected that. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, that, and there's a scene. There's a scene where Malkovich, apparently Malkovich is best friends with Charlie Sheen for some reason, and uh, there's a character. Kathleen Keener is in that movie, right? Yes. Yeah, and there's a there's a scene where she sleeps with Malkovich, but while Cameron Diaz is inside him, you know, <laughs> and uh, and then he Malkovich is telling Charlie Sheen about it, and the fact that she calls out a woman's name while they're having sex or whatever, and Charlie Sheen's like. Oh, that is hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd, I'd like to throw out an honorable mention to a very uh, unlikely film, but Zardoz. Have any of y'all managed to sit through Zardoz? No. I've, I've seen never a lot heard of, of it. this. Again, really? late night cable. You've, you've, prob- you've, you've probably heard of it, Virginia, and don't know it. Have you ever seen any pictures of Sean Connery wearing thigh-high boots an orange diaper-looking thing and a oh bandolier of bullets. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, you can't. Unfortunately. Um, Zardoz is not in any way a good movie, but it was made in the 70s, the late 60s, early 70s, and it tries so hard to be deep. And there's just these there are these acid trip segments in the thing that put uh, uh, 2001 to shame. And uh, it just... It, I don't recommend watching it, but I think it just it, it it there's something about it that just sticks in my head when I think of of just surreal, weird, just bizarre for the sake of bizarre, and and it's it's Zardoz. All right, what about you, Chris? What have you got? Well, like Rick, when when I looked at this one, I said, "Wow, which one? What?" 
And then it really dawned on me because I just saw it recently. Uh, although now that you mentioned Spike Jones, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was a really good mind oh, F movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm going to go Vanilla Sky. I think that movie still holds up. And I love every time I watch it, I see something new. Every time I watch it, I, I'm reminded of why I really enjoy seeing Tom Cruise on screen. And there were just so many things about that movie that only became apparent with subsequent viewings to me. Um, have you guys seen it? Or Oh, yeah, I have. I have not. You should, Virginia, I think you'd really like it. And uh, how about you, Rick? No, I, I, I've heard of it. I have no idea what it's about. Or uh, Now I know Tom Cruise is in it. That's more than I knew. <laughs> I <meant to. laughs> well, I mean, there are some conceits about it that are very sort of 80s, but it, it sort of takes place in uh, like a near future because there are things that don't exist, like holograms and, and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't know how to describe it without spoiling it. So I, I would just I would recommend that you see it. Penelope Cruz is amazing in it. Um, my name is Earl. Uh, what the hell? Why am I blanking on his Jason name? Lee. Jason, Jason Lee. Jason Lee is in it. He's he's really good. And Tom Cruise is he's just excellent in it. And, and Cameron, uh, Diaz. Cameron, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Yeah. And here's one thing that uh, you guys I'm, I'm I know that I, I get a lot of flack for this, but I am a huge monkeys fan. And the, What's the wrong music. With that? Uh, a lot of people, because I don't like the Beatles, but I like the Monkees, so people people you know rag on me all the time. But um, I guess Cameron Crowe, who directed the film and wrote it, um, there's the music is so integral to the movie. There's so much music in it as as the as the characters going along and the music goes along. But things start going really south at the end, and uh, Tom Cruise is like everything's falling apart, and they start playing the Porpoise song by the Monkees. And I'm thinking that's just Crow taking a swipe at the monkeys because now everything is going south and all of a sudden the monkeys is front and center. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. I love Vanilla Sky. So if you haven't seen it, I don't want to say too much because it, it, it is sort of like you, you want to experience it. Um, my honorable mention is, and it also maybe fits into the buzz category, Sean, is Donnie Darko, which... I knew was a big cult film that I uh, never watched for whatever reason. But when I when I just one night again, uh, late night cable, you get in trouble, and man, that thing had me had me going. And I loved the the way they portrayed the idea of time travel in it. Have you guys seen Donnie Darko? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Once, and I don't remember very much about it. <laughs> okay, well, another one that I would recommend watching, and I love the fact, uh, I love the way where it ended. All right, and it's it's sort of a, almost like a loop, uh, not to spoil, but it's 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 really a compelling movie, and a lot of a lot of weird stuff happens in it, and uh, I would I would recommend that one as sort of like like a like a mind bleep film. I had one more in mind, but uh, it'll come to me as we as we chat. So those were my yeah, those were my the, two main ones. Vanilla Sky is a movie that, if I remember right, when it came out, I don't know if it didn't do well a lot of people didn't like that movie and i think some of it is there's a lot of there's a lot of people that don't like tom cruise and i know tom cruise is you know had got his issues and stuff but there's very rarely a tom cruise movie that comes out that i don't like you know he 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 makes good movies um but that's one of those movies that when you watch it you don't see the twist coming right and when it gets there, then you immediately want to go back and watch the movie again 
and see if you can figure out the clues. And they're and all there. I'm trying to say that without spoiling anything, but it is it's 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 one of those movies that when you get to the end of it, you're going to try to decipher where things changed. Right. And so. then but, yeah. Yeah, my my wife just said much like Tom Cruise. <laughs> so okay, no, but I would have, especially if you're a genre, genre fans like us, I would highly recommend it. Um, and actually, my wife watches it more than I do now. Whenever it's on cable, she leaves it on. She loves it too, and she's not a genre fan at all. So. Yeah. Um. Okay. So third category is uh, cannon fodder that you would like to extract from a particular fandom. And I'll I'll go first. Uh, I've I've only got one. I was about to say, do we have all night? I see Rick over there. Like, <laughs> I've, I've only yeah, I've only got one, and I'll just throw it out there. But uh, the main thing I'd like to fix is the canon in the Highlander series. I'd really like to get rid of Highlander two, not because yep. I mean Highlander two is not a terrible terrible movie. Yes, it on is its, on its own. Yes, it you, is. It's awful your, from the beginning to the end. Your opinion, Rick Tetro. <laughs> it is it is a terrible Highlander movie, but um, it's it's like the first Highlander had all this mystery around it. You know the 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 the, the character of Connor McLeod. You know he was immortal, and uh, they never really tell us why he's immortal, how his people got that way, all that kind of stuff. And I like that about it. And then in the second one, they immediately, in the very first part of the movie, they tell us, oh, it's because they're from the planet Zeist. And when he came to Earth, he was, he was, he was exiled to Earth where he had to play the game. You know, the, there can be only one game. And I'm like, oh, they're aliens? Come on. And then they, uh, so that's supposed to explain their immortality. And then in that movie, more people from his planet come. And uh, he kills one of them, and he immediately becomes immortal again. You know, even though he was supposed to have won the contest in the in the first one and all. And they never talked about it again. So any of the movies that came after that, and the TV series that came after that, they never mentioned the fact that they're aliens again. You know, they even they wanted to forget about that. Didn't he resurrect Ramirez with his earring or some stupid shit like that? No, he, uh, so, so in the first one, and this is spoiling the first Highlander, but in the first one, he, he wins the prize, and the prize is that he is the last one, and he can choose whether he wants to be immortal forever, or if he wants to become human and grow old and die. And he decides he wants to grow old and die, he's lived, he's lived long enough. And then in the uh, second one, these two guys from his planet come and attack him. And when he kills one of them, he gets the quickening, which is where he gets hit by lightning and everything. And he becomes immortal all over again. So the, the game starts all over. And uh, and then he kills the second one. And when he kills the second one, he yells Ramirez. And the quickening travels to Scotland or wherever he was buried and hits the, and brings Ramirez back to life in the same spot that he died in, which is now a stage, and they're performing Shakespeare, and he just appears on stage. That's <laughs> right. Know? It was even stupider than in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's how that happened. But, yeah, they they wanted to forget about it so much that Highlander 3, Highlander 3 actually takes place before Highlander 2, so that they can kind of erase it. And then the TV show, which was about Duncan McLeod, 
they never, you know, they, they went with the more mysterious origin and that kind of stuff and never talked about that again. So, so yeah, I'd like to, uh, extract that from the Highlander canon, fix it a little bit. What about you, Virginia? Well, with, uh, with apologies to Troy over at World War G, I think Beetlejuice would be a fantastic movie without Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else about that movie, I loved it. I love the recently dead couple who's trying to find their, like, how do they now exist in this world where, you know, people are invading their territory. And then you have creepy dude who likes to hit on kids and just generally be gross. Why are you ruining my movie? Go away and get out. So, um, yeah, I think just take Beetlejuice out, rename the movie, done, done. <laughs> All right. Wow. I can see that. I can see that. I I haven't seen Beetlejuice since I was a kid. I'm trying to remember how integral he was to the plot. I take it not not very. I mean, he doesn't really show up with like like in the big finale. He's very integral, of course, but it, kind of sporadically through the rest of the movie. He's not. It's mainly about the dead couple trying to figure out how to get their living residents out of their house. It's only oh, okay, towards the okay. end where they realize, oh, maybe we should call this Beetlejuice person. And then he becomes, like, way more important. Until then, we only see him sort of off and on. Um, right. Yeah, so. Look. Most of my memories of Beetlejuice are from the cartoon, which I loved as a kid. I loved that cartoon when I was a kid. But, uh, I, yeah, I saw the movie one time. We had a Halloween party and, uh, my mom took us to the video store and said, you know, pick out a couple of scary movies for the Halloween party. And then immediately she was like, no, not that one. No, not that one. No, not that one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and finally settled on, uh, Beetlejuice and, Psycho, I think. Something like that. Psycho? Yeah. Well, I mean, wow. we were like 13. We weren't like six or anything. We were like 13, you know, so we handled it okay. <laughs> you know, I, I gotta say, Virginia, I, Beetlejuice is one of my favorite movies. Um, I, you're not wrong about the fact that he's an absolute scum, but that's kind of the point. He's, he's the villain of the movie. Um, uh, but you did save me from making what might have been a big mistake because I bought the Blu-ray uh, for my uh, lighting design class because the lighting in the movie is very theatrical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you did your Wait, You Haven't Seen episode just before that class started. And I was planning to show them Beetlejuice. Uh, and after listening to your, your commentary on it, I was like, hmm, maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because there's some sexism or something like that in is. I mean, yeah, he's. he's it was eighty '80s movies. You're not you're not going to find very many of them that don't have stuff like that yeah. in them. But it but it's the fact that he's you know he's trying to marry Lydia and you know he's supposed to be twelve in the movie and, and creepy as all get out. Um, I it, you know that never actually occurred to me, but you know yes, absolutely right about it. But I just, I love everything else about the movie. I love the aesthetic of it, the look of it, the pacing, the directing. Um, yeah, you probably could either remove or greatly diminish his, his role in it uh, and still salvage the story. 
I had also thought about putting it under the trippy category because of like when the dead people try to go outside and it's like monster land or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tim Burton definitely doing something when he made that. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad my commentary was helpful. It was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rick, what about you? Okay. There is a movie that the world loves that I can't stand, and the main reason I can't stand it is because of this one character. The character, I don't know how to pronounce the last name of this character. It's Ruby Rod, is it? And it's Chris Tucker's character in The Fifth Element. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I I, I won't say The Fifth Element is a good movie, uh, but it's not a bad movie. And if Chris Tucker had been in it for just a few scenes. If he got killed in the shootout or whatever, probably would have been fine. But he so totally jar jar the rest of that film for me that I can't stand it. I tried to rewatch it a couple of years ago to see if I was giving it a bum rap. And I just, I, I think it's a terrible film. Uh, and, and he's awful. But if they, you know, let him catch a bullet during that shootout and, and just chalk him up to a, a cameo, Maybe the movie might have been something worth watching. And I think something's telling me that he wasn't even supposed to be in that movie, or he was supposed to be a different character. Because I think they were supposed to originally have him play, have somebody else play that part that pulled out. And I want to say it's like Prince or something like that was supposed to play that part. That sounds familiar. I think Prince was supposed to, which I don't, I don't know if that would have. Been. And then he pulled out, which yeah. I think that would have been a lot better. Prince oh, was a lot more cred, but. I, I just don't understand Chris Tucker, period, so I, I can't disagree with you. The one thing I remember about The Fifth Element, aside from not liking it, is that Chris Tucker annoyed the hell out of me. And, <laughs> I mean, it's because when it comes to acting, he thinks that screeching his lines is acting, but he also thinks that screeching his lines is comedy. And so it's just like nothing he does to me works. Everything he does annoys me. So I, I just I can't I can't sit through anything with him in it. So... I was, I was I was a teenager in the '90s, and I have love in my heart for Chris Tucker. <laughs> and I mean, I I love uh, Mila Jovovich. I think she's yeah. wonderful. Uh, I have you know Bruce Willis has been in some of my favorite movies of all time. So it's you know the rest of the cast is fine. Uh, and you know the basic story is it, it's kind of trite, but it it was done fairly well. Uh, but just. I just couldn't stand that character, and he just was there the whole goddamn movie. Well, he didn't, yeah, he he didn't come into the movie until the the third act, though, right? Uh, I don't I remember, remember right. exactly. A little little over half, but it still was way too much. I just I couldn't <laughs> enjoy it because he was still there. Yeah. All right. What about you, Chris? Well, this one's not going to be popular, but um, maybe more of the cinematic universe, but. I, I would really love to see what the DC universe would look like without Batman. I just have no use for Batman. And I think that every wrong move that every executive has ever made when it comes to all the DC extended universe films can be laid at the feet of Batman. I just, I, I never had any use, like I said, never had any use for the character. And I don't know why people love him so much, but I'd love to Thank see. You. What? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just this angry guy with a lot of gadgets, and I, it's that sort of that 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 whole grim dark aesthetic for Batman. Um, 
just permeated the rest of all this decision making when it came to building a DC universe on on film. And it doesn't work for the rest of the DC universe. But since everybody was so beholden to Nolan's take on it and wanting to get rid of sort of like the campy um, farce that the uh, Tim Burton universe had degenerated into and the 60s, you know, Batman 66, um, here we are with a Superman Batman film that you just can't watch. I mean, the two most iconic characters, uh, Dawn of Justice is is nearly unwatchable to me. It just the the inclusion of Diana and it was the only thing that made it worthwhile. And to have a Superman film with that same grimdark sensibility, again, because Batman. So I, I, I just wonder what things would be like if Batman wasn't the biggest hitter in DC because he's got the most books of any character, bar none. He's got the most movies of any character, bar none. And he's probably the most beloved, even even above Superman, I would say. And I, I just I anyway, I've gone on long enough about that. The other one that I would I would excise, again, a very popular character that I just can't stand is Loki from the Marvel movies. <laughs> and that I'll lay that directly at the feet of Tom Hiddleston. Because I just can't stand the way he smirks and mugs at the camera throughout every single performance. <laughs> it's just like, get over yourself. So, um, and can I do one more? Um, since, but this is more of a, a trope. Can we get rid of dumb TV sitcom husbands that only exist by the good graces of their wives that are too smart and hot for them to begin with? Yeah, I mean, that's been going on since radio. I listen to a lot of old time <laughs> radio because I'm a nerd. But like William Bendix in The Life of Riley, whenever that comes on, I want to drive my car into a bridge abutment because he's just <laughs> such a moron. And that formula has been taken forward into every sort of sitcom since. And I mean, right up until like everybody loves Raymond. Ray Romano's character on that is supposed to be a sports writer. He's a writer that can't put two freaking sentences together, who has never read a book and doesn't, you know, he doesn't know how to function in the world. How can you be someone that's a writer and not be literate? How can you be a moron? <laughs> uh, anyway, I mean, so, I mean, King of Queens does it. It's, it's just something that I, I want, like gangsters. I just want to see that go away. Well, while you're, since you brought that up, I'd also like to extend that into saying please stop making tv shows where the dad is the dumbest person alive and yeah, he well, is that, on- it all fits hand in glove with that yeah, yeah because you're because at all these shows the kids are just getting one over on the dad and usually the kids are teaming up with the mom to get one over on the dad and all the dad is doing is watching sports and playing golf and he doesn't know anything about what his kids are doing and what's going on in their lives. And like there was an episode of everybody loves Raymond where he's got twins and he takes the wrong one to the doctor. I mean, come on. Yeah. If those are your kids, you know, the difference between your own kids. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, all right. Does anybody else have, have any that they want to throw out there before we wrap things up? I would, I would still be watching agents of shield if sky wasn't on it. See, I haven't watched it in so long. I don't remember who Sky was. She's she's the 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 hack the the girl hacker at the beginning. Okay. Who, uh, you know, when the when the show premiered, 
I was all for it. My wife and I watched it together, and the actor who plays Sky is certainly attractive. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, but then the character became so annoying, and kind of kind of like you with Batman, Chris. It was like, okay. Now we're back to Sky's story, and it makes no sense, and we're not going to show any real superheroes. But then they, then they, uh, after uh, the second Captain America movie, um, mm, they tied it in. They tied it in, and it became interesting. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is cool. But then once that storyline petered out, they went back to Sky's story, and I just, I didn't care, and that's kind of why I stopped watching. Um, I, just, I got it. I got as far as I think maybe the third season or whatever when they they all started to become Inhumans. Yeah, yeah, and um, then I I petered out with that because my first one of my favorite characters got turned to stone and then blew away almost like a Thanos snap, mm-hmm. and then um, another one got killed and then they sent away the two uh, Adrian Pilecki who's now on the Orville. Mm-hmm. And her boyfriend were very compelling characters, and they went away. I think because they were going to do their own series, but it never it never materialized. Yeah. So then all of a sudden we were just back with Sky and yeah. or Daisy at that point, and it was just like I'm watching this. Why just to watch? It's one of those shows. I think we talked about it one of the last times I was on. You just see it piling up on your DVR, and you reach that critical mass where you say, "I have no interest in getting through this yeah. backlog," you know, and, and you're just and- done. And the thing is, Ming-Na is so compelling. I loved her character, and all she was was a glorified chauffeur. She was by a ninja. <laughs> ninja chauffeur. Yeah. And, you know, she what was, a, 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 who was the Green Hornet? Cato. Yeah. She was Cato. And Coulson was interesting, but, you know, he was always just kind of being sad and not wanting to tell Sky this and don't tell Sky that. And, and the you know, the, the square-jawed agent who would get shot and then 10 minutes later he'd be fine it just uh. and i understand like <laughs> ghost rider is one of my favorite characters and i hear he comes in in later series but i was so disinterested by that point i just uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah there's a guy my job that, that keeps telling me hey you gotta, you gotta get caught up on an agents of shield i'm like i'm like three seasons behind i don't know if i'm ever gonna get caught up but i think the next season is their last season they're gonna end it before the disney plus service starts up and everything because Disney's canceling everything that's on <laughs> that's on other stations. So the mouse the mouse practices a scorched earth. <laughs> yeah, policy. pretty much. <laughs> All right, I'm going to draw the curtain on this episode. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us this week. Uh, Virginia, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And let everybody know where they can find you. Well, a lot of the shows and movies that we talked about, we've either covered or will be covering on. Um, the podcast I do with Shane called Wait You've Never Seen, and you can find it at waityouvneverseen.com or on the Cosmic Potato Network. All right. And Chris, thank you for being here as well. Thank you for letting me ramble on for an hour again. I always have fun doing that with you guys. Uh, you can find me on the Quantum Leap podcast. I am a host. My co-hosts, Allison Pregler and Matt Dell, are really the talent on the show. So uh, if you don't like me here, listen for them there. Uh, you can find us at quantumleappodcast.com and wherever you get all of your fine podcasts. I also have my own website, deflipside.com, and there you can find radio segments and fiction and stuff that I do. So that's D-E-F-L-I-P-S-I-D-E.com. All right. And Rick, thank you for being here, sir. My pleasure as always. And you can find me on uh, Starbase the Next Generation or Open the Iris or Infinite Diversity. I just put on an episode of that today. Look them up on this, on uh, Starbucks. No, I'm not on Starbucks. I'm on iTunes. <laughs> 
I'm also on uh, Tramadol. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, look us up there. I will have a website really soon, I promise. Is it the Westeros uh, Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to check out CosmicPotato.com and all the shows that we have available there. A couple of new things. The Prime Direction came back last week. I'm not hosting it. I passed the baton to Scott. Uh, he interviewed me as his first guest and... Uh, that's on the, the website. Also, the video version of it is on YouTube. If you go to our YouTube channel, just search for Cosmic Potato, and you'll see video versions of lots of episodes, including this one. You can, you'll be able to find it there too. Um, also, Discovery After Show has officially transitioned to the landing party. So, search for the landing party, and you should find us. You're not going to have to wait until the Picard series to get a new episode. We're going to record one next week because everybody that's here tonight went to see the Fathom event of uh, what we left behind this past Monday. Scott's going to join us next week, and we're going to talk about that documentary and Deep Space Nine. We're going to reminisce about that show as well. And uh, so be sure to look out for that next week. And... If you didn't get to see, if you did get to see the uh, the Fathom event, then you know, tune in. If not, wait until the DVD comes out, and then uh, I'll I'll promote the show again. You know, so you'll be able to uh, to find it then. I think that there's going to be enough bonus material on that DVD that we could probably get another episode out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we'll, that that the DVD doesn't come out until August. So. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us for our next episode and we'll talk to you then. Be sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can contact us by email at mail at cosmicpotato.com or send us a voicemail or text message to 205-642-8380. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Thank you for joining us for Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. I look like I'm overexposed. Is that true? No, you can never have too much publicity, Rick. (laughs) (laughs) I knew as soon as I was in the middle of that sentence, and I knew this is the wrong thing to say to these people. (laughs) Um, Have I got too much light on me? I think you look fine. Are we? Is this going to be recorded for? Should I get like some makeup or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be on yeah. YouTube. Do that. <laughs> I think stay, I have actually. Wait a minute. Stay on camera while you apply it. <coughs> You're going to laugh at me. This has been sitting in my drawer. You actually have makeup in your desk. <laughs> I worked in TV for 20 years, and I got this for the one or two times I was on camera. Oh. <laughs> hilarious. hilarious. A friend of mine mixed it up for me, like to my skin tone. So there's powder in here. I could powder my nose. <laughs> like literally. Hey, Sherry, can you throw me a pen, an ink pen? Ow. <laughs> yeah, preferably don't throw it like a dart. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a softball. Don't don't hit me with it. <laughs> When we went to see we went to see the movie the other night. Um, we had, we took the baby with us because we couldn't find anybody to watch him, and he did he did fine, huh? He did fine. I mean, he didn't like cause a scene or anything like that. But uh, 
we went to this theater that has food service where I mean you order food at the counter and they'll bring it to you at your in your seat and everything. So he ordered a couple of burgers and fries and stuff. And uh they finally brought us our food about 15 minutes into the movie. And we're sitting there eating and all of a sudden he just decides to kick his leg really hard and Sherry's burger went up in the air. <laughs> And I was like, that burger cost $13. <laughs> I was surprised though the theater just replaced the burger. They didn't make me buy a new one. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have one, one of our local theaters has really nice food, but yeah, it makes going, it, it like triples the cost of going to the movie. Yeah. You, it's, if I had not, funny. if I had not pre-bought the tickets, we probably wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Cause I don't want to spend all that at one time. <laughs> we did it once on my birthday. I, I forget what movie it was. I was like, I'm getting a goddamn burger today. It's my birthday. Well, I mean, it's just convenient. You don't have to, <laughs> you're not eating dinner, worrying about making it to the movie on time. Yeah. You, you've got yeah. the entire movie to finish eating the food and everything. And, and it's like a dump truck full of burger. I mean, it's yeah. just enormous. So it wasn't like, yeah. Yeah, I don't need a, I don't need a trough. A tr- I'd rather have a burger than a trough of popcorn. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get started. My daughter just found a house MD and fell in love with it. So <laughs> uh-huh. she's big in the medical shows right now. She's about to go to nursing school. So she's uh-huh. watched Grey's Anatomy twice, and now she's uh, she's digging into. It. I, and I, I try to tell her, say, like, working in a hospital is not like that. <laughs> tell her to watch Saint Elsewhere. That's that's more accurate. <laughs> just don't watch the last episode. <laughs> I think we just found another cannon fodder, huh, Rick? <laughs> While everybody's uh, sick and dying in the patient rooms, all the doctors are off having sex in the closet. I want to uh, work so. in that hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Virginia, Sherry says that you sent her an episode and she hasn't forgotten about it. She just hasn't had time to watch it yet. Oh, I was asking her if she had watched the recent Twilight Zone episode. Oh. Not all men. I tried. <laughs> now, nah, the, the last one, we haven't watched the last one. I did force her to watch a couple. She didn't care for it too much. But <laughs> I've been loving it, except for the first episode was too long. But I have really liked the rest of them. Yeah, I liked it. I did, I, the only one that I didn't like was the one with uh, Greg Kinnear in it. I didn't like that episode. And then uh, I did like the one about the kid that became president because they were totally doing a... That was so a spoof of Donald uh, Trump. <laughs> well, they did a an old Twilight Zone episode called "It's a Good Life," where it was yeah, basically yeah. everyone has to keep this one kid happy, or else they'll wish him out oh, to the cornfield. That's the Billy Mooney episode. Yeah. yeah, and when I saw him, I saw him in the documentary the other night, and that's all I could think about was Twilight Zone. <laughs> I didn't even remember him being in Deep Space Nine. Who, who did he play in Deep Space Nine? He was in the Battle of the Siege of AR five eight eight or five five eight. It's the the episode where Nog gets his leg blown off. Oh. And he just played one of the besieged, uh, you know, grunts trying to hold that that position from the Jemadar. He, he oh, lives okay. next door to Ira Stephen Bear, and Ira had been bugging him to come on the show, and he kept trying to get him to come on the show. And during Babylon Five, movie didn't want to do it because he was on Babylon Five and didn't want to piss people off. And then I, I just saw a bunch of interviews with with Mumi because I was I can't do anything at work, so all I do is sit around and and watch shit on YouTube. Um, and Bear kept bugging him to come on the show, and apparently Mumi hated wearing his Mimbari outfit. He loathed the makeup, and uh, so he, he uh, Bear wanted him to come on and play an alien. He's like, "No, that I'm not doing it again." <laughs> and uh, then finally, B5 went off the air, and Bear said, "All right, I've got this great part. He's a human." 
and you get to die. And the movie's like, that's all I need. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs>